The Christian journey may not be easy, but you never have to go it alone. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths. We must be careful not to be in a hurry to do the work of God until we have waited on God. You know why? Because it's much easier to go to man. And there are some things in my life that nobody can help me but God. It's just me and Him. And I have to go through the fire, but I won't burn. I have to go through the water, but I won't drown. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Now, there's nothing wrong with education, but the world won't function very well with just a bunch of professional students. Somebody's got to do the work. Now, according to Pastor Xavier, the same rule applies to the church. Let's join him for today's lesson appropriately titled, A Call to Work. Let's listen. A young preacher thrilled his congregation with his first sermon and challenged them entitled, Gird Your Loins for Christian Service and Christian Living. Then, to their dismay, he preached the same sermon the following Sunday. When he confronted them with the same ringing message on the third Sunday, his flock felt something must be done. Don't you have any more sermons, just this one? blurted out a spokesman to the pastor. Oh, yes, he said quietly. I have quite a number, but you haven't done anything about the first one yet. I fear such is the situation of much of the church today. We've become professional note-takers, but there's no rubber to the road so often. And we can show a pile of our notes and our notebook and we can uh, remember, but if, if these messages that we are hearing, if the messages that God speaks to our heart does not find some practical application and some rubber to meet the road, so to speak, then really we are deceiving ourselves. Even as James says, you look to a mirror and a guy forgets what he looks like, says, what the heck did I look like? And um, it's always a danger, is it not? In our last study, we looked at Nehemiah's call to serve in the capacity of servant leadership, chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. A call to serve has to do with our attitude, viewing ourselves as servants. A call to work has to do with our actions to accomplish the work of God. So attitude is foundational, but then actions must follow in order to do the work of God. And so what we want to do tonight is look at uh, Nehemiah's call to work in the capacity of servant uh, leadership here in chapter 2, verse 11 through 20. Um, now, the scriptures are clear as to our call to work. It is no mystery or secret. We are to be diligent to follow every good work, 1 Timothy 5.10 says. We are to set ourselves apart for every good work, 2 Timothy 2.21 says. We are made complete and mature in every good work, Hebrews 13, 21 says. And we will be rewarded by God according to our works, Revelation 22, 12. So if you just pick up your concordance and look up the word work, you will be amazed of how much is in there about the Christian life. 
Now, Nehemiah's call to work is characterized by three things. First, a careful consideration of the task, verses 11 through 16. Secondly, a clear communication to the people, verse 17 and 18. And thirdly, a confident confrontation of opposition, verses 19 and 20. And so a call to work is characterized by careful consideration of the task, clear communication to the people, and a confident confrontation of opposition. Let me read um, this section, and we'll take one at a time. And so I came to Jerusalem, and I was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuge gate, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. And so I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did this work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us arise and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. But when Sambalat the Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Gershom the Arab heard of it, they laughed us to scorn and despise us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? And so I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. A call to work is characterized, first of all, by a careful consideration of the task. Verses 11 through 16. Notice first in verse 11 that Nehemiah was not a man in a hurry. Too often men rush into the work of God and the people are put under great pressure. The people need a rest from the journey. They had been traveling a long ways. The servant Nehemiah had to wait on God. And sometimes people get so keyed up and they, they, they think that God's leading them and they just run off into something without thinking it through and waiting on God or anything else, but they just want to run. Remember there was a guy in the Old Testament when uh, David had um, stayed in Jerusalem and his general went out to fight against Absalom. There was one young man that was really fast and he said, oh, come on, let me run. I think it was Ahimehaz, his name. And the guy goes, no, no, you run another day. So he sent the runner with the message. And once the messenger took off, he still said, oh, come on, let me run. Ah, go ahead, run. He ran. The watchman from the city wall said, whoa, here's a runner. Oh, I see another one. The second one, he's fast. He looks like a hemahat. 
So him and passes him up, gets to the city. David says, what's the message? What's going on? He says, well, I don't know. I saw this and that. He says, get aside. He waited for the other guy. He was fast. He ran. But he had no message. So many people are running so fast, but they have no message. Nehemiah was not like that. Did you ever notice that Jesus was never in a hurry? Did you ever read in the Sermon on the Mount? Somebody stops and says, Jesus, can you pray for me? Oh, wait, I'm late. I got to go to my sermon. I'll be back after. Wait, wait. He's never in a hurry. He's always on time. Because he did only what the Father told him to. You know why we're always in a hurry? We do a lot more than the Father wants us to. And a lot of things we do, we have no business doing. It's a waste of time. God knows how long I'm going to live. He knows my calling. And my responsibility is to say, Lord, which things I have no business to do with. I have plenty of time to accomplish all of God's will for my life. I have to sift out all the junk in my life. And I won't be in a hurry all the time. Notice secondly, in verses 12 through 15, Nehemiah viewed and assessed the work to be done. Oh, so important. So often people just say, oh yeah, we They don't stop and assess the work to be done. Notice in verse 12, he chose a few capable men to aid him in assessing the work. But he did not reveal all that God had laid on his heart at this point. So important, he picked out a few faithful men. He saw them. He knew them. He had traveled with them. But he didn't reveal everything because God was still dealing with things. It is so important that I don't speak too soon. Well, you know, the Lord told me, you know, something. There's a lack of discretion at times in servant leadership. And it's almost like we're boasting. It's almost like, well, look at me. I'm, you know, sometimes we just have to be quiet and wait on God. Very important. In verse 13 and 14, he assessed the entire work from within and from without. A full assessment. It's not just a casual look. Oh, yeah, the walls. Okay, we can do it. No, he has to go through inside the wall. Look at the, you know, he sees that it's going to take a good 10 men a good week straight to get this done. But if it's just a casual look, I might say, well, we can do that in two days with a couple of guys. And then by the time we get done to it, then we're in trouble. He assessed the entire work from within and from without. So important that we do that in our lives on all that God has for us. Then in verse 15, notice he returned after the assessment, after he has seen the condition of the city, after he is at this time meditating, talking to God, I am sure, because God sent him. And as he's looking, he's conversing with God. Lord, what are we going to do? Lord, what are you, you know, and, and, and all this is going on. And he comes back in verse 15, and he's pondering over all this. He's waiting, listening to God. Did not Jesus say regarding his disciples? For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Have you ever driven by? Maybe it's the same way you drive to work. And you happen to drive by and all of a sudden one day you, you saw that they're starting a new construction in a home. And, and it's taking a while, then the foundation goes in. And, and then all of a sudden, boy, the framing goes up. And you go, whoa! 
And so the next time you come through, you expect some progress. But it's the same. A week goes by. The framing's still up. A month goes by. And one day you just happen to be at the stoplight and, and, and you ask, hey, what, what's the deal with this? They're working on the house. He says, well, you know, the guy, he, didn't, he ran out of money. <laughs> and how often people begin something and they haven't counted the cost and then what happens, the work is open to mockery because they really have gotten ahead of God. It happens all the time in churches, people. It happens all the time in Christian lives. Notice thirdly in verse 16 that Nehemiah wanted to share the vision but had not done so yet. The officials did not know where he had gone or done. There are times when you and I have to go on our own and just wait on God. Seek Him for direction. God help you and God help me if every time you have a problem or every time you think God's leading you, all you do is go to man and you don't go to God. If God led you from the beginning, then shouldn't you be checking back with God rather than man? Now, am I saying never to go to man? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you first go to God. And the final thing is you wait on God. Because man will tell you whatever they want. Would God deal like this with me? Well, you're not him. This is different. You've got to go to God. He had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and others who did the work. Boy, here's a man who really is thinking. Here's a man who really considers the accountability. He is slow to speak. Oh, that's a virtue that we need so much today. Too often we speak so sudden, and daily later on we go, Oh, why did I... And if we were just waited just a day, an hour, one minute, we could have saved ourselves a lot of trouble and embarrassment. Years ago, it was announced that General Booth of the Salvation Army was losing his sight and that his days of, un, of usefulness was over. After many weeks of seclusion, this Christian hero of 80 years of age appeared having had one eye removed and possessing only imperfect vision in the other. To an audience of over 4,000 in London, he spoke for an hour and a half. Quote, he says, I want to do more for humanity, he said, and I want to do a great deal more for Jesus. There are thousands of poor, wretched, suffering, and sinning people crying out to us for help. And I want to do something for them. The man had been at that work for a long time. He had considered exactly what the task involved. He had considered the task well. We must be careful not to be in a hurry to do the work of God until we have waited on God. Hardest thing I have, wait on God. You know why? Because it's much easier to run it's much easier to talk. 
It's much easier to go to man. And there are some things in my life that nobody can help me but God. It's just me and him. And I have to go through the fire, but I won't burn. I have to go through the water, but I won't drown. We must be keen observers regarding the work, depending and expecting God to guide us and speak to us. And not simply man. Not simply the circumstance, the situation. You know, all the doors that are open are not always of God. There are um, people who offer ministries a great amount of money. I'm talking about 10000 a 100000 a million dollars. And um, faithful and wise as that pastor when he is offered that money that his first question to that individual would be, have you prayed? Has God told you to give it here? And then if that person says yes, then that pastor should say, give me a week to pray on it. You know why? Because if that's not a work of God and it's man trying to glory, they can sure destroy the work that God has done. You want to make sure it's God. But it's so easy. Oh, yeah, thank you. We'll take it. <laughs> well, we can pay the billing up. We can do this. We can do that. Is that God's will? We must not be too quick to share all that God is sharing with us until it is time. Unless we misunderstand God or misrepresent God. Much like Joseph and his dream. Remember Joseph? God gave him a dream about the sheaves and bowing down. And God was training Joseph for the future. But Joseph was young and stupid. And so he goes to his brothers, hey, you know, I had a dream and you guys bowed down to me. And they hated him as it was anyway. Say, a little runt will wring your neck. Now, God was training him, and he should have kept his mouth shut. But he spoke, right? He even went and told his father, yeah, you and mom bowed down also to me. <laughs> the scriptures tell us that where there is no vision, the people will perish. Yet God's timing is very important to his work. Proverbs 27, 19. Where the, there's no vision, the people perish. Now, too soon can hinder the work. Of God. Too late can miss the work. The right time will ignite the work. What an awesome responsibility. Now, many talk about burnout today, but burnout is not a biblical word. Burnout is the result of overcommitment of oneself, not the call of God. For God gives the sufficient time and energies and grace to accomplish what he has called us to do. So people say, well, you know, I'm burned out. What you're saying is you're in the flesh. What you're saying is that you've been doing the things you've been doing, not by God's call, but you've just committed yourself to those things. Because if God calls you to a task, he gives you the ability, the grace, the wisdom, the energy, the time. And when you use the word burnout, then you're saying is that you're walking in the flesh. And you're really doing things that God never called you to do, but you just thought you'd do them because it'd be nice or get attention or whatever it may be. Now, are you sure you want to use the word burnout? By the way, it's a sociological and psychological word, not a biblical word. Because that doesn't exist with the servants of God. 
Am I saying that servants of God don't blow it and get overcommitted? I'm not saying that. I'm saying when we do, we're walking in our own might. And we're not walking according to God's direction. It's very simple. A call to work is characterized by a careful consideration of the task, first of all. A careful consideration of the task. Secondly, a call to work is characterized by a clear communication to the people. A clear communication to the people. Verse 17 and 18. Notice first in verse 17, Nehemiah proclaims the obvious need. Then I said to them, you see this distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. The condition of the people in distress. Clear communication. The condition of the city, Jerusalem, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. The walls represent protection. The gates represent authority. The judges and the elders sat there. They could not now. What was it? They were open to destruction by the enemy. And then thirdly, the call to work Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. He clearly points out these things and then he gives the call, the obvious call, the logical call, the wise call. Notice secondly in verse 18, the first portion, Nehemiah proclaims it was God's work that is so important. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also of the king's words that he has spoken to me. It is so important that a leader as he is ministering, as God is leading, that in his teaching, in his guidance, that he continue to remind the people, pointing to the obvious things that God is doing and that it is God. Lest the people begin to look to him and give him credit for what God is doing. Or that he would be silent so that people would think that it's he who is doing it. Woe to that shepherd. He's not being a faithful representative of God. He says, by the good hand of God upon me. Remember chapter 1 verse 11? Oh Lord, I pray, please. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was a king's cup bearer. He's talking about Artaxerxes. He had prayed that God would move upon him. God did. God gave him everything. And he reminds him now, God's good hand upon me. So important, and as I share with you often how God began the ministry with three people and, and how the Bible study got started, so you can see the evidence of God leading and guiding and doing the work through His people. So important. And secondly, it says, by the King's favor of Him, evidence of God's answers to prayer and mercy. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. He gave Him all the provisions. And so it is so important that we as leaders Point to God's provisions, God's answer, God's guidance so that we can have all our eyes on the Lord. 
and we can say this is the work of God not of any man yet he uses his people does he not but we can clearly see the hand of God Pastor Xavier Reese wrapping up our time today with a reminder that all we do for the kingdom is to the glory of God not ourselves Now, there's more to come in this important study titled, A Call to Work, but if you can't join us or would like a copy of today's message in its entirety, of course, we can get one into your hands. You can pick up a copy for only $4 on CD. And be sure to pass this along to your family and friends who do not yet know the Lord. And once again, the title to ask for is, A Call to Work, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. We like to monitor the impact of this outreach. When the enemy attacks and you don't know which way to turn or where to go, Pastor Xavier Reese explains there's only one way to go. Learn more in his next study in the book of Nehemiah, right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 